Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton, and that's right, we are Wagering Week. 855, the number four, G-A-R-T-E-N, gets you a part of the show. Facebook, Twitter, all the social media. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you hear from us. And ladies and gentlemen, what a show we have for you. We have Lofa Tutupo, who, oh, by the way, he not only... Played just tremendous linebacker. Remember, Pro Bowl, it doesn't come easy. He's an all-pro, pro bowler. He also coached against Tom Brady, so we're going to talk to him about that. Then Tyrone Poole, what about him? Oh, he's got two Super Bowl rings. He does a Carolina Panthers podcast, but he's a former New England Patriot. Played with Tom Brady. We're going to talk to him about that. And also, oh, by the way, played against Andy Reid. And then we have Ryan Leaf, who's going to break down the quarterbacks for us. You guys know Ryan Leaf. So we're going to get into all of that. It is the big game. It is Super Bowl 55 on deck. We talked about the prop plays last week. There are some big things to talk about in the game itself. Look, Andy Reid off of a bye week. Let's not throw that away. This is a bye week. He gets the extra week to prepare. Andy Reid, since 2017, is the best against the spread coach in the NFL, 41-29-2. Next up, Sean Payton, Sean McDermott, and Sean McVay, the three Seans. Andy Reid standing at the top of that mountain. So you look at this game. And when you start to break the game down, you'll hear me talk to my guests about it. You can hear the things that I like. I think that Tampa Bay is going to be able to take advantage of a lot of that middle, a lot of the middle of the field. I think the tight ends are going to have big games. Godwin might have a big game as well, but they're going to have to go up top to Mike Evans. And really for Tampa Bay to slow down Patrick Mahomes, it's all about the pass rush. They've got to be able to get home with the four rushers. I think White and David are going to have explosive games on the outside. They're going to run after everybody, but it's going to be all about pushing up the field and getting after Mahomes. So let's talk about it. I mentioned the linebackers. Let's go to the linebacker right now. This is Doc Holliday, co-host of the Believe in Rams podcast with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce, and you're listening to Wagering Week with my guy, my homie, Tom Barton. Welcome back, everybody. Super Bowl 55, that's what we're talking about. My next guest, well, he's got some good insight as to some of these guys out here because he did play, uh, look, three-time Pro Bowl linebacker, but he also was an assistant linebacker coach, coached against Tom Brady, host of the Believe in the Seahawks and the Believe Podcast Network, and co-founder of Zone In CBD, which we'll get into that as well. It's Lofa Tutupu. Lofa, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, my man. It's quite the intro. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I I loved watching you play, man. I absolutely did. Uh, at the time, I used to go to Seattle quite often. And, uh, you know, all the 51 jerseys in the stand. So, Lofa, let me ask you, look, you coached against Brady, right? And, and it was a, a spot where I think this is a linebacking crew that you're looking at with Kansas City that can be really taken advantage of. I'm highlighting this is one of their weak spots, which in a Spagnola defense you get. Talk to me about how you would go about putting this game plan together. Well, we're calling Levante David and Devin White um, weak spots. Is that? Am I getting that right, my man? No, 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 oh, no. The, on the other side, Kansas City's okay. Kansas City's okay. linebackers. Okay. Well, yeah. You know, I think a weapon that you know Brady's going to utilize that hasn't been used 
much of all season is his old favorite target in New England, and that's Gronk. Um, I think that's a mismatch, whether it's Kelsey, you know, uh, versus the Bucks defense, or it's, or it's Gronk versus the Chiefs. I mean, that is a, a matchup throughout the league that is very seldom utilized. The best teams do it, and, I mean, you see why these two teams are here now, though. Um, they got great tight ends, and I think that's a mismatch you can exploit. I know you can't see this on radio, Lofa. I'm smiling ear to ear. For the last two weeks, I've been telling everybody, guys, these tight ends, Brait, Gronk, and Kelsey, this is it. When you're talking about prop plays for the Super Bowl, I am all in. Catches for Brait over two. Catches for Gronk over two and a half. Kelsey over seven and a half. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you think back to their last Super Bowl together, right, um, against the Rams. And those last few – those last drive to really put it away, he was finding Gronk and then for that touchdown. So, it's – um, you know, when he gets in a jam, he's going to go back to Old Faithful. Guarantee it. As a linebacker and you're looking at – Coming across the middle, you have a break, you have a, a Gronk, you're also trying to spy in on Leonard Fournette. How do you defend that? I mean, these are unique, especially Gronk and Kelsey. These are very unique tight ends. So how would you go one-on-one to defend this? It's tough. Usually uh, you'll get some help over the top. So you just sit heavy inside and then get ready to break on any outbreaking routes. But you you got tough duties regardless. But Anything that they put some loft on, that's where, you know, I always counted on my safeties to help out. You know, uh, Deion Grant, you know, all the great safeties I played with, they would they would be sure to show a little more love. And, you know, especially if they saw an outside release from the, the, the wide receiver on the cornerback, they would say, hey, man, if your guy releases outside, you're helping the sideline because I got real tough duties inside with this all-pro tight end. What about the Spagnola defense? And, and Joe Valerio, a former offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs, was on with us last week, and he pinpointed that soft spot where if you're going to take advantage of a Spagnola defense uh, in Kansas City, the way to do it is crossing patterns over the middle and kind of abuse those linebackers. That's the one spot. I'm looking at this, and I'm going, okay, they have to know it. Look, if we know it, Joe knows it, you know it. I mean, we, we all know it. Do you think that they kind of take a step up? Are they going to try to jam a tight end at the line? Is there a way that you can prevent that? Yeah, I mean, I think you play him aggressive because, you know, at this point in his career, he hasn't really ran by anybody like he used to. It's just, you know, so you could really get physical at the point of attack and and not worry about losing him on, on a go route or anything like that. And so I think that's the way they'll do it and challenge it. But the signature of all of Spagnuolo's defenses, when he went to the Super Bowl with the Giants, it was always that front seven, uh, the front four. And, I mean, Frank Clark and uh, and Chris Jones, I mean, those guys, they're going to present problems, I guarantee it. We're on the phone with Lofa Tatupu, former three-time Pro Bowl linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks, host of the Believe in the Seahawks and the Believe Podcast Network. Lofa, let me ask you about Brady and the mindset. How much of it lies in a fear factor? How much of it is it that you're on the other side and you go, you know what? I, I'm not afraid of him, but, man, I don't want him having the ball last. I mean, there's got to be a piece of that, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just – and not because you, as a competitor, you don't go out there fearing anybody. And that's just – that's the truth. But when you got a guy that's got a track record, I mean, ha- almost half, 40 was it, 48% of his career, he has ended up in the big game. And six out of uh, ten of those so far, he's won. It's, um, it's mind-boggling the stats that he's continued. 14 – AFC or title games, AFC and NFC, out of 21 years, you know, um, that's two-thirds of his career he's going to the title game at least. So um, it's really – you just got to be on your – you got to do your job. That's what it comes down to. You can't be worried about, you know, anything else. It's, hey, if I got this tight end in coverage, then I'm, I'm on this and he's not going here. And um, I think when 
guys kind of get impatient and they want to make a big play because they're like, hey, it's the big game. I got to make a play. You got to make the play that's presented to you. And I think that's um, the reason he's been so, so successful in the big game is if the big if the big play, the bomb down the, you know, the sideline's not there, he doesn't take it. You know, he takes, he'll take the flat 10 times in a row to get down the field if that's what you're going to give him. And then on the next drive, that's when he'll go up top, right when you start creeping up. And, and those are the little things that, you know, kind of go by the wayside that a lot of people don't really appreciate about the way he goes about his game. You know, the one thing that's hurt Brady, if there's anything that hurts his career, it's that teams that could get to him without blitzing. that That's always the key. The, the You remember back to the Giant days and whatnot. Yep. If you could get to him with the front four without blitzing, he can kind of pick you apart. The Chiefs are a team that they use situational blitzes, and you have to be real smart here. Where would you be coming after Brady? Do you just sit back and say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna hope our four get there, or are you blitzing in a different direction? I'm I'm going with the front four to start because, as you said, that's you know really if we can get it done with four, if you don't burn his own, use a defender to you know to add a fifth rusher, he he'll find the hot he'll find the hot route. His guys are skilled enough, and and you know they've had enough chemistry this year to you know check into the proper play. A five-yard dump off to, to either the running back or, or one of the wide receivers checking hot turns into a 15, 20-yard play. So if you could get after him with a front four, but if I'm forced to bring pressure, I'm going right up the gut and making him have to exit the pocket. You know, I mean, he's 43 years old. He's still a phenomenal athlete because he could be playing at 43, but he's not going to run away from anybody. So I'm bringing the pressure right up the front so he sees it and he has to escape, you know, accordingly. Yeah, that pressure right up the front is going to be alleviated a little bit by Leonard Fournette if he can have a big game. And I'm starting to see Leonard Fournette being a guy 200-plus carries every year in Jacksonville. His legs seem a little bit fresh. You still have the Ronald Jones factor. But it's something that they will get away from if it's not working right away. Is that something that early on you want to do if you're the Chiefs? Do you want to say, you know what, we want this to just get rid of the running game and the entirety of the running game right away and make them pass all day? I mean, you do want to make them one-dimensional, but if that one dimension is you know, one of the most experienced and greatest quarterbacks of all time, I don't know if that's the way you want to play it. I want to see if you could play, if you could defend the run with seven-man front, you know, so two high safeties, whether it's quarters or whether it's cover two, and if you don't need to bring that extra defender, extra safety in the box and play aggressively underneath in the pass coverage, I think that's the way to do it, if you can get it done like that. Now, Fournette has looked phenomenal. My, my guy, Rojo, fight on, USC Trojan. Um, you know, even with that quad, he looked amazing against Green Bay. And so I expect to see, you know, um, early and often them trying to establish the run if that's if the, the Chiefs are planning to go too high safeties. Well, since you mentioned Rojo, listen, the last week it was 12 carries to 10 carries. The lines are set at about 11 to 10 if you're going over and under for the prop play. Do you think that they're going in a split, or are they going to lean on the veteran Fournette here? Like you said, Rojo, he, he's got the explosive. And he, to me, he's the guy that's going to break it out of the two. Do you see them almost in an even split again? Well, you know, what was crazy, they, they really weren't moving the ball against Green Bay until Rojo got in the game. Um, it was, you know, maybe three, four-yard run. Then Rojo started getting in there. And he's he's more dangerous in the passing game. And so that's um, – when you get a guy like that – and, I mean, I guess it would come down to does he know the protections and is he, is he uh, you know, a good enough protector, pass protector. Because if you know he's only in there to run, then, you know, it kind of defeats the purpose of, you know, switching uh, the backs out. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see who's got the hot hand. And I think that's – when you get to a game like this, it's the hot hand. It's not – 
you know, you, you dance with the, 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 the person you brought. It's you got to go with the hot hand because there's only two hours, just, you know, 60 something plays and, you know, you're going home after this, either really happy or, or upset. We are on the phone with Lofa Tatupu, former Seattle Seahawks, host of Believe in the Seahawks and the Believe Podcast Network. Lofa, talk to me about the company. Talk to me about uh, this new venture that you're going down. Yeah. So, I mean, as we know, it's well documented. My career was cut short by by a lot of injuries, 10 surgeries, 15-plus concussions. And, um, you know, after football, I was looking for something to really put me back together, and I found some products that are just incredible. And um, the, the – CBD is gaining a lot of notoriety for its healing properties. And I'm here to tell you that I've never been this happy in life. I've never been this, you know, productive in in my day-to-day, whether it's my family or work, um, anything, you name it. My my physical, mental, and emotional health has never been at this level. Uh, I'm zoned in 24-7, and uh, I'm helping a lot of people on their health and wellness journey. That sounds great. And you can go check it out, guys, over on Twitter, at Zone in CBD. Go check it out right now. All right, Lofa, let me ask you about the linebackers. You brought them up. I've been talking about White for a couple of weeks now. He is playing at an elite level, 15 tackles last week. He's got 20-some-odd tackles in the last two weeks. The guy is just at a ridiculous level, and that's crazy to say when you're standing next to Levante David, who you could make an argument is a top-10 linebacker in this league as well. Do these guys have enough to fly around the field and just disrupt this undisruptable Kansas City offense. I, I do. Um, I think we're, I was on my Seahawks podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, and my my partner Brett Davin was telling me that they have the most. They are number one and two in hustle stats, hustle tackles, which is tackles in which they've covered more than twenty plus yards on a given play. Um, now, normally you would say, well. If it's 20 yards downfield, that's not good. But most of their stops are coming within five yards of the line of scrimmage, which is incredible. Um, I'm a big fan of both these guys. Levante David has never gotten the respect that he deserves. Um, even, you know, Devin this year, uh, not, I think he had 150 tackles, nine sacks. Nine sacks for a stand-up linebacker, you know, is incredible for a middle linebacker. Um, and he didn't even get voted to the Pro Bowl or All-Pro. But I saw an article which was really special – uh, I guess when he was, you know, a little upset about not making Pro Bowl, Tom Brady went over and said, hey, you know, we play for Super Bowls around here. And I was like, you know, that's that's a <laughs> – I'd much rather have a Super Bowl than a Pro Bowl. I'll tell you that. As a man that went to one Super Bowl in a Pro Bowl, uh, I wish I had that Super Bowl, my man. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to ask you about how they're going to defend the guy on the other side, and that's Travis Kelsey, who I think is their biggest kind of weakness here. Um that he, if he goes deep, they're going to rely upon the safeties. Both Tampa Bay safeties are injured. I wonder if they put David and White more in a situation where, okay, you're going to cover him because of their speed. Travis Kelsey's a guy, by the way, could have set the reception record, decided to sit yeah. out Week 17 because he said, we play for Super Bowls as well. So talk to me about the matchup against Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a super mismatch. He's too athletic for most linebackers. He's too big for most safeties or corners. Um, it's it's incredible what he's been putting together in his resume. And um, I think when, you know, Kansas City did have a little trouble in the second half of their Week 12 matchup, they started putting a safety over top of both him and Tyreek. And now if that's going to happen, um, you know, Hardman's going to go off for a big day, as he did last week. Uh, so, yeah, we've seen these two teams match up. Uh, it was two tail of two halves. Chiefs came out, uh, Mahomes did his thing, and Tyreek had 200 yards in the first quarter. 
and then, you know, Bowles adjusted and started giving help over the top. And so, you know, they came back. It came down to, what, one possession, and Mahomes, with four minutes left, just ate up the rest of the clock and didn't give Brady a chance. And, and I think that's pretty much the way you beat either of these quarterbacks. When you hold the ball last, make sure the other guy doesn't get it. <laughs> I love that you brought up the Hardman play. You know, I'm somebody that's looking at white over nine and a half tackles. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll sprinkle something on David over seven tackles. Mahomes is going to be big. Everyone's going to be on that. But I'm looking for these under the radar. Hardman, that's a good under the radar one. Uh, so make sure you guys, if you make some money off of it, say thank you to Lofa Tatupu, <laughs> who we are on the phone with, hosting the Believe in the Seahawks on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, let's talk about the big guy. And the big guy is Patrick Mahomes. You know, I want to ask you how you defend them, but I think you're going to say we have no idea because I don't think anybody's found out. So I'm going to ask you about the toe. Um, I know he's been limping around a little bit. He says he's almost 100%. I watched the Buffalo game. I'm not a linebacker coach, and I saw a guy that didn't want to take off. Now, he doesn't have to, but I saw a guy that didn't <laughs> want to take off. Did you see the same thing? Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's going to say, look, this kid's tough. He had a dislocated kneecap. He didn't miss a game. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not worried about the toe, but it does limit him in terms of now not as mobile. Um, again, we have seen him throw off his back foot 70 plus yards though. And that's kind of the, wherein lies the problem is like, it doesn't matter if he can't get away with you. You can just still sling it out of bounds or, or downfield and then let Kelsey or, or Hardman or Hill run under it. Um, it's incredible what we're watching right now. And I'm anxious to see this because, you know, Tom, even if he wants to play till he's 50, he probably will. But how many more Super Bowl runs does he have in him? I won't underestimate him. I think that's foolish. But we have to start looking at this may be the passing of the torch to the, to the next, you know, supposed go. Uh, three, three years in, well, four years in, but three years starting. His first year starting, he got the MVP. Second year, he got a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP. And this past year, he's back to the, uh, the Super Bowl with, what, one loss in the regular season? What he's doing right now is, is pretty unprecedented. It was a down year because he had one loss, right? I mean, people go, ah. yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he slept walk through the regular season. Yeah, well, get used to it because I think we have some years. And then if, if, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't go off the 48 and, what, two interceptions, it's probably another Mahomes MVP year. I got him winning the MVP. I don't think he will, but he would win my MVP. Yeah. I mean, look, Rodgers was up against some weaker defenses, and there's uh, pulling out of Mahomes after the half and things of that nature. Um, but l- let me ask you about Mahomes. What is what is his thing? Brady had the quick release. Marino had the quick release. You have the arm of Rodgers. You have the vision of Peyton Manning, the mindset. Is he just a combination of them all? Is he that guy? Or does he have one specific thing that you have to take away if you got a chance to beat him? I mean, I don't see anybody confusing him. It doesn't matter what you throw at him, what kind of variation on the back end. You know, man on one side, zone on the other. The kid never gets rattled. Even you know, even when he gets hit, and you know his his um, processor, his mental capabilities of finding the open man, going through his progressions, and then coming back like, okay, one's not open, two's not open, three's not open. Okay, now I'm going to get out of the pocket a little bit. Oh, I'm coming back to one. There's Tyreek, 70 yards down the field, and who can make that throw? Only him. It's like it's, it's, it's you got to get to him, and you have to get him to the ground. And I think. This is where, you know, we should talk about that front for Tampa has been coming to life. And Vita Vey is back, you know, uh, healthy. They missed him most of the season. And JPP and uh, Barrett on the outside going against, I think the last time they played, three starters are missing from that Chiefs offensive line. And this, this could be the tail of the tape, especially with Eric Fisher out. 
um, I could see those guys having a big day. Yeah, you you jumped on it. That Eric Fisher injury to me is massive. I think it's very very clear that Tampa Bay has the best better better defense here. My worry is those safeties yeah. being banged up, and and my worry is that you're going up against Mahomes, who will just go. You know what? I'm just going to trust Tyreek to outrun these guys. I'm just going to trust Kelsey to catch this ball in double coverage. That's my one worry here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always hard. It's hard to repeat, right? even hard to just get back to that game but um i think another edge goes to a lot of his teammates you know all these guys Mahomes teammates they they've been there before and you're counting on you know tom brady to tell those tell his new team like hey you know this mike evans didn't even know there was a celebration for the uh for the (laughs) nfc championship he was walking off the field and one of the guys from tampa guys like hey mike there's a there's a you know a ceremony he's like oh man this is new to me so We'll we'll see if if you know the stage now. Of course, they're at home. That's an advantage tilted back in their their direction. But um, they still have to you know be worried about what Kansas City was able to do to them in, in that first matchup. All right, so we've been beating around the bush here, Lofer. We're on the phone with Lofer Tutupu, host of the Believe in the Seahawks on the Believe Podcast Network. I gotta ask you, what's your prediction? It is foolish to go against the goat, Tom Brady, but I think we're looking at a baby goat in his own right. So I'm going Kansas City, and I think it's going to be a close one. It's going to come down to the last possession with these two guys, 34-31. And the over. I love it. Lover, you're giving us plenty of time. Thank you very much. Guys, go check out Zone in CBD. And, again, that is three-time Pro Bowl linebacker, Lofa Tatupu. Thank you very much, Lofa. I have to tell you, man, I love talking to ex-athletes, especially guys that I rooted for, and and you can get the insight. If you were listening carefully, anybody that's playing prop plays out there, you heard some of mine that I'm going to give you, but if you're playing prop plays, Lofa dropped a little knowledge on us, didn't he? Lofa dropped a little a little nugget of knowledge, and he said, watch out for Hardman, because if they're going to try to double Hill and they're going to try to kind of put a, a double or a spy on Kelsey and take those two avenues away, Hardman could go off. And he quickly followed it up by, like he did last week. So you look at a guy like Hardman and you say, yeah, maybe he might be worth a little over as well. I still think that it's going to be one of these classic games. And you heard him say, you know what, he thinks it's going to kind of come down. I still believe it's going to be one of these classic kind of games. You get excited about the Super Bowl year in and year out. And when I was a kid, you know, you get excited about the Super Bowl, and it's like 55 to 10, and John Elway's walking off the field with his head lowered again, right? But recently, we've had close Super Bowls. They have really been brought up to the billing. Now, the Eagles... The Falcons, these were Super Bowls that maybe even the Rams, uh, you know, people didn't know, but they weren't hyped up like this. This, even last year, San Francisco and Kansas City, I mean, it was the incarnation of all of a sudden Mahomes. But these two Super Bowls, um, these two teams playing in the Super Bowl have everything. It's destined to just be a great game. This isn't me hoping and just wishing, this is me telling everybody out there, I really do believe this is going to be one of those absolute classic. It's going to be a game that you go back 10 years, 15 years, 20 years from now and go, I know where I was when Brady took on Mahomes. And I know that it's a different age and a different era for Brady. I know where I was. I know where you guys should be, and that is right here. Stick around. We're going to take a quick time out. On the way back, what are the odds? Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. 
What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, we're looking at the Super Bowl. It's coming up. Super Bowl 55. And a lot of people are saying, well, what's going to happen first? One of the most bet prop plays out there. What will the first score in the Super Bowl be? Not who, but what? Well, a Chiefs passing touchdown, that's plus 225. Bucks passing touchdown, plus 275. How about some field goals? Chiefs plus 400. Bucks plus 500. How about a Chiefs rushing touchdown, plus six? And a Bucks rushing touchdown, also plus six to one. Chiefs defensive touchdown, that's going to get you 25 to one. Bucks defensive touchdown, 33 to one. And then the safety is 40 to one for both teams. So they expect. Brady and Mahomes to duel this one out and Mahomes and the Chiefs to get on the board first. That is What Are the Odds? I'm Gary Myers, the host of the podcast, the GOAT, Tom Brady, and you're listening to Tom Barton on the Sports Garden Network. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking Super Bowl 55. Tom Brady, the GOAT. Against Patrick Mahomes, we heard him being called as maybe the mini-goat. I think it's a little early, but we'll see. We are being joined now by Tyrone Poole, former Carolina Panther, two-time Super Bowl champ, and host of the Believe in the Carolina Panthers on the Believe Podcast Network. Tyrone, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. Now, of course, absolutely. You uh, bring a unique perspective in this Super Bowl, obviously. You played with Tom Brady, and you played, and you got some rings on your fingers. So tell me about the ramp-up that, that you're feeling this week in the Super Bowl. What are they going through with the idea of, okay, here it is, the biggest game of our lives, especially the, this Bucks team that have not been there. Tell me about the mindset. Well, basically the guys have put in the work the previous week. That's why they have a two-week sort of window, window sort of window. Uh, the first week is all about being at their own facility uh, making sure everybody, you know, the Bucks, <laughs> they didn't have to travel, so they don't have to travel. But um, most of the time, the first week is all about preparation, regular practice, um, you're going through your normal activities. And then the beginning of the next week, uh, that Saturday, probably Sunday, the teams travel to the Super Bowl venue. And from there, you know, they'll get briefed about the week, uh, security protocols, and with this unprecedented COVID-19 situation, I'm pretty sure they get get um, uh, have a protocol with that. Um, so this week here, leading up to the game, the final few days, uh, the final few hours, you know, for those who've been there, that's why it's important to have players that have, have some type of experience in this type of situation because young guys, with all the media, and that's what, and, th- and that is what this week is all about. The media, the fans, uh, practices are like for the players themselves. They're just basically window dressing. Um, like I said, all of the hard work, game planning was put in the previous week, so they're just rehearsing. But uh, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity. Uh, you know, only two teams uh, have have come to this point. Uh, where there was 32 teams that started it off. And uh, after Sunday, around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, uh, one team is going to be uh, the champion, and that's what everybody's going to be writing about. We are on the phone with Tyrone Poole, former two-time Super Bowl champ, and you do own two rings. We often hear about well, going out and getting it after you already get it. Well, you're not as hungry, and the repeat is so hard. And I want to get it from you. 
it's not that you weren't as hungry, I'm sure, but what is it and why is it so different the year after you win? I think it's all about the environment, number one. Uh, I think if you have an environment where everybody knows it's not what you did for me yesterday, it's what have you done for me lately. So when you keep that mindset, you always believe in that there's something that you did not accomplish the previous time out. So that in itself keeps you going. But if I could say what would be the particular metaphor or the actual strength of a team consistently winning or consistently being in the Super Bowl or playoffs, it would be the acronym SOOT. Uh, Every year, every game, everybody has to speak the same language, understand the same language, think the same language. And if you can do that, then I don't care if you're in corporate America, I don't care if you have a family, or you are a professional athlete on a team you guys will have an opportunity to consistently be in the playoffs, winning in the game of life, or winning championships. And we all know that it comes down to any game, particularly football, one or two plays here and there. But if you want to consistently be there, then I think you have to speak the same language, everybody, whether you bring free agents in, whether you draft uh, college kids, when they step into that, uh, team, their identity becomes that team. Speak the same language, understand the same way, and think the same way. If you look at the New England Patriots, I'm like, you, everybody would pretty much say, man, they speak just like Bill Belichick. Even when Tom was in New England, they talk, they understood, and thought the same way. So then when they go out there on the field, it makes it easier. I already know what my guy going to do. I already know what this receiver going to do. I already know what the linebacker going to do. That's because we have spoken understood and we think the same way well you mentioned brady you had to go up against brady in practice right you had to you sit there and kind of game plan against him in your own mind how do you defend this guy and what have you seen from brady from the time that you knew him uh to where he is now well you know i I, i've had opportunity you know tom is a great great competitor great individual and uh, like i tell people all the time that's what i think keeps him on top just like you mentioned, what keeps the guys, teams competing? Why some teams continue to do it and some teams don't? Well, that same philosophy goes down to individualism. You know, Tom speaks to himself, I'm pretty sure. He understands himself, and his thought is always the same. Uh, I don't lose, I learn. I don't lose, I learn. Where a lot of people, um, you know, I should say I win, I never lose. So I either win or I learn. But most people, they use that L, uh, loss. And losing is just a metaphor in the mind, so to speak. It's just a, a figment. It's just a thought that we believe that there's an opposite. So if we didn't win, we must have lost. No, you never lose. You either win or you learn. You throw me a ball, I drop it. I didn't lose. I just found out there's one way not to catch the ball. I pick the ball up and I throw it back, throw me another one. And I think that's what Tom has. He has that attitude of, hey, you know what? I know what I can do. I know who I am. And I'm always going to think this way. And I'm going to speak this way because that's what I understand. So um, that's what I think keeps Tom around. And not just Tom, but any great athlete. We're on the phone with Tyrone Poole, host of Believe in Carolina Panthers on the Believe Podcast Network. 
Tyrone, we always talk about the game within the game and the mindset, uh, and, and you always mm-hmm. kind of talk about the other guy. What about being on Brady's team and knowing, hey, if we get the ball to this guy, that he's going to drive it down the field? Does that give you a little bit of a relaxing? Does it, it does it take a little bit of pressure off of your backs knowing we have this guy on our side? Well, I'm pretty sure uh, Tom was, hey, you know, it, it's the other 10 guys, too. Um, you know, he does his job. He does his job, and he does it very well. So, uh Tom can throw the ball, but still he got to have guys that can catch the ball, run the right routes, block. So if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win the Super Bowl, they're not just going to win it off of Tom's arm. Uh, they're not just going to win it just because Tom is on the football field. I'm pretty sure this is what Tom would say too. Uh, any quarterback who understands or player that understands, I'm just a, one part of an 11-man set. So – uh, if the Bucks' offensive line doesn't block, if they don't pick up the scheme or whatever, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to throw at their offense, then Tom is not going to be effective. And then people will be coming back saying, wow, Tom, you know, he showed his age. So yeah, I'm pretty sure Tom's like, hey, I'm just going to do what I do and hope that my other 10 guys do what, what they do. And if we work collectively, then we will be productive and increase our chances to win. But like I said, Tom's a great guy, fire in the gut. That's the type of guy you want on your team. So anytime you can get a ball, uh, put the ball in his hands, you know something great has to happen. Yeah, you know, it is funny that you're looking at this game, and when we talk about the Super Bowls, it's always about the superstars, obviously, and this game has two of the biggest superstars. But it's often in the big game, often in the Super Bowl, to go to your point, Tyrone, is it's somebody else, right? It's always that guy that you're not thinking about. The last time Tom Brady was here, it was James White, right? It's always that guy that you're maybe forgetting about or the general public is forgetting about on the roster. And then they stand up at the podium afterwards. He's the guy that made all the big plays. He's the guy that did it all. And his teammates are going, yeah, well, we knew he was such an integral part. Welcome to the crew. I mean, that that's kind of always the way it is. Now, this one is setting up to be about the superstars like I've never, ever imagined. I mean, Brady against Mahomes have taken the spotlight bigger than anything, but there are a lot of bit players. But I was really interested in what you were saying earlier, where you talked about the culture and the same language and all that. So a lot of people are using this season almost as an indictment against Bill and saying, well, in the Bill Brady breakup or the divorce, however you want to say it, Brady's clearly proving that it was Brady and not Bill. I've gone against that. I said, I don't think that this is the way that you go through that. Tell me your unique perspective since you were there with both of them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's a good, good, good point. Uh, Tom, um, I believe it, it takes two. It's kind of like a mother and a father. If the child, if there's a divorce, which there was a divorce between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, then the kids go with one of the parents. And then people want to say that it was either the father or the mother. But in reality, it was both the father and the mother because it takes a father and a mother to raise a super kid. So it takes a quarterback, a head coach, offensive coordinator, and it takes a defense to win championships. Okay. Now we love to pull out individualism and say that it was this person by themselves. No, 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 no. It takes two to tangle. So I think it was partially Bill, Bill and then it was Tom. This is how I see it. I think, let's go back. 
Tom was a rookie, and this is no indictment against Tom. I think Tom would say the same thing. You know, I had an opportunity to play with Peyton Manning uh, in Indianapolis when he first got drafted. Peyton, in his rookie year, was nowhere near where he ended up being. But through repetition, through the right coaching, he was able to grasp what who Bruce Arians, who's the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was Peyton Manning's quarterback coach. So as Bruce Arians groomed Peyton, Peyton then started to get a grasp. And now he let his talent come out and play. But still, it was under the tutelage of the offensive coordinator or the head coach or that system. It's just that as you get more mature, that's why teams want veterans, guys that understand the game. I just tell them what to do, and they go out and let their talent do what it does. But it's almost like the old adages, which came first, the chicken or the egg? It's both of them, you know, so to speak. But I think Belichick, when uh, Tom came in, Mo Lewis hit on Drew Bledsoe. Now, if Mo Lewis, he don't like to be brought up in this type of fashion, uh, fashion <laughs> of the Tom Brady's career. But if Mo Lewis had not put that hit on Drew Bledsoe, then would we be sitting here talking about Tom? Because Drew Bledsoe probably would have still went on and been the starter. Who knows if the Patriots would have gone to the Super Bowl. So all I'm saying is that it takes two to tangle. And just like in a family, it's the mother and the father. But when there's a divorce, people are either going to side with one or the other. But in actuality, it was it took both of them to produce that super child. Oh, that's good stuff. We are on the phone with Tyrone Poole, host of Believe in Carolina Panthers on the Believe Podcast Network. You guys got to take a listen to that. Former two-time Super Bowl champ. Tyrone, we talked about the other guys. You were a defensive back. These are some of the most talented pass catchers when you're talking about Kelsey and Hill and Evans and Godwin and Gronk and Braid and, and go over even Hardman. How would you defend? Are you double-teaming a guy? Are you playing back? Talk to me how Tyrone Poole would get ready to defend these pass catchers. Well, you know, this is one of the games where you got to come with your best. There is no tomorrow. Uh, so whatever Kansas City does best, that's how they're going to play Tampa Bay. I don't expect neither one of those teams to do anything special. They may have a few wrinkles here and there because you don't want to come out and, okay, be habit. You know, this is what they do. This is their habit. But at the same time, you got to come out and you got to play what got you there. So I don't expect Kansas City defense against Tampa Bay's offense to change up anything. They're going to come back out and say, hey, whatever defense we play, we're going to play what we know we can play. And the players just have to study and have to go out there and be committed and believe in themselves. Uh, When Kansas City has the ball, I don't think Tampa Bay's defense will say, hey, we're going to bow down. We're going to do what we do best. And it's like boxing. You know, a guy come out, if he's a southpaw, He's not going to change up his game. It's okay because I'm fighting this guy. I'm going to learn how to fight right-handed. No, you may try to work on it and, you know, come up with a little surprise, a little trick play. Maybe you catch him with the right. But if you're a southpaw, you're going to come out swinging with your left. So I don't expect neither one of these teams to do anything different than what they consistently do during the game. It's just play calling. When do you call that play? And that's the trick of it. It's almost like playing that old Tecmo Bowl back in the day. <laughs> you know, if, if you didn't pick the right play, then, oh, man, they gouged you. But if you did pick the right play, you smothered it. So 
I think it's going to be like that. It's going to be a game of coaches. I think Andy Reid is a great play caller, and I think he's going to do the same thing their offense does, but he may mix it up, uh, you know, and I think Bruce Arians, he's just going to be aggressive like he is. And I, I, I expect a good game. I expect a – not a high-scoring game, but I expect it to be kind of close to the 30s, but I don't think it's going to be, um, you know, a, a, a straight – pinball machine type of game. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk specifically about Tyreek Hill because I, I find him just fascinating. Fastest guy in the NFL, I think that's easy to say. Um, but I don't see guys jamming him at the line as often because he's got such a quick get-off and then kind of you're kind of leaving the safety kind of one-on-one there. How are you stopping or slowing down Tyreek Hill? I don't want to say slowing down because no one's slowing down the cheetah, but how are you stopping this guy? Well, basically, like you said, if you get up and press on a guy like that, he's quick. And uh, first and foremost, since you say he's a cheater, <laughs> well, it takes a cheater to be able to catch a cheater. So whoever lines up in front of him, they better be a cheater themselves. So, uh, it, But, you know, he's strong. You can look at him and tell he's got pretty good upper body strength. And if you're going to jam him, you got to be aggressive, not over-aggressively towards the jam, but you need to be strong. And when you do put your hands on him, that you can kind of, you know, slow his pace down. Uh, because, again, we got to understand, offense is all about timing. But if you don't jam a guy like Tariq Hill, then you give him opportunity to use his speed, his quickness, to run free through the secondary. So I think it's going to be very important that if he does go vertical, uh, the corner has to use good technique, body position, know when to turn, don't turn too early because he could run her out. If you turn too late, he could run by you. So it's going to take good technique to cover him. And if he runs across the middle on any type of crossing routes, well, I need my linebackers to kind of give him a little hello. Uh, welcome to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and uh, <laughs> kind of slow him down like that as well. <laughs> so let me ask you, who, who gave Tyrone Poole a harder time? A guy like Mike Evans, a tall guy that kind of was just jumping up for it, or a guy like Tyreek who could kind of get off and just outrun you? Well, you know, I was kind of quick and fast myself, and I'll be honest with you, it wasn't the tall guys that gave me trouble because really tall guys, you could play off of them because they're so tall, they have to lower their center of gravity. Um, I would say the medium the medium height guys, the guys who are six foot, uh, six, anywhere from 5'11 to six, one maybe, that's kind of like the average height because with those guys, you can't really tell when they're going to lower their body. Uh, they are able to come out their brakes just as good. Uh, quick and fast guys, it's easy to cover them as well. I think I covered probably one of the fastest guys that I know of, uh, James Jett. I don't know if you guys know him, but James Jett was on the uh, USA Olympic 4 by one team. So <laughs> that's all I got to say about James Shea. He's played with the Oakland Raiders. But uh, this guy, all I did was just turn and start running at the snap of the ball because I knew once he got past 10 yards, the knees are pumping, he's going deep. So what I'm saying is I like covering fast guys because you can't run an out running 4-2. I've never seen a guy run a 10-yard out at a 4-2 speed. So if you can study their tendencies, when, what their uh, mechanics look like when they're running deep and what their mechanics look like when they're about to run a curl or an out, then you can play those guys. And a tall guy, you know once you get down into the red zone, it's going to be a jump ball. 
So you position yourself. And I'll close with this about covering a tall guy. People would ask me, Tyrone, how do you cover these tall guys? You know, I'm around about five nine. So I tell them, I say, you know what? When you look at basketball, have you now basketball? You got guys who are seven foot, six nine, six eight. When you look at basketball, why is it that they get the rebound at rim level or lower? Now you think it's six nine, seven foot. If you just told told these guys just to jump as high as they could, they would extend beyond the rim. But when they're playing, why is it that they only get the, the rebound at rim level when they're going against somebody? Well, I, I tell you why. There's a law of friction. It, so in football, it's the same thing. If I can get my body on that tall guy and I can grab his arms at some point, he can't jump as high. So now it's kind of pulling him down into my arena or he can't jump as high. And sometimes I can use him, his shoulder pads, to help elevate me. I push him down while I elevate myself. So, you know, it's a lot of technique that goes into that game. They just don't get out there and play. Uh, so, but Tyreek, he's a great guy. Kelsey, great tight end. And Patrick Mahomes, you know, great guy. And they got other guys on that offense, too. So, and then you got Andy Reid, uh, you know, calling the shots, a head coach, great offensive-minded guy. Uh, you know, they're just doing – a great job in Kansas City. Oh, that is good stuff, Tyrone. Before I let you go, I got to put your feet to the fire here. Give me your prediction on the big game. You know what? Uh, I just think Kansas City, man, they, they're just a great team. And this is what I think about Kansas City. I think Kansas City is so dominant. A lot of people don't remember that a quarterback that Patrick Mahomes will be facing actually stopped Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs from – this being their third consecutive trip to the Super Bowl. I believe that if that game in, I think, 2018, if the Kansas City Chiefs had won that, we would be talking about this is the third straight year that Kansas City has been in the Super Bowl. And I think if they stay healthy, keep everybody up on the contract, I think they're the class of the AFC right now. And so I'm going to go with Kansas City with all that being said. All right, Tyrone. Thank you for the time. That's Tyrone Poole. Go check him out. Host of Believe in the Carolina Panthers on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you so much, Tyrone. Guys, we'll be back right after this. This is two-time Super Bowl champion Ike Taylor, and you are listening to Wagering Week. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the future. Bet to the future. Okay. The quarterbacks, they're moving, shaking, going. Who's going to be where? Well, who will be the starting quarterback for the Colts in week one? Jacoby Brissett is still up there at plus 350. Carson Wentz has now moved into plus 400 range. Andy Dalton, plus 800. He's fallen back. Jacob Eason, no one has any faith in. He's 9-1. to one. Deshaun Watson, he's hanging around about 9-1. to one. Ryan Fitzpatrick's 9-1. to one. Brian Hoyer's 10-1. to one. And any rookie quarterback is sitting there 12 to 1. We have no idea what the shakeup is, but Matt Stafford got taken out of that equation. A couple of guys moved up. They're expecting trades. They're expecting moves. I find it funny that Jacoby Brissett is still number one, yet Jacob Eason is all the way down in like nine to one. I think that uh, the Colts are going to get somebody. I can't imagine them starting out with Brissett, and I don't think that it's going to be Jacob Eason. I'm not sure they have enough to take get Watson, and it's in division. Really don't want that. There's nobody I'm really jumping on. Maybe any rookie quarterback at 12-1. to 1. We'll see. Hey, since we're talking about quarterbacks, guys, my next guest, we've had him on last year. Excellent insight last year. We know you're going to get the same thing again. He's the host in the Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network. 
You know who he is. The All-American, former number two overall pick. It's Ryan Leaf. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. That's quite an intro. <laughs> well, Ryan, I, I loved what we talked about last year. And this year, it, it's just kind of like worlds colliding. I love it. Quarterback discussing probably the best quarterback Super Bowl ever. I mean, that's not too far of a reach to say that I know all the hype is on Mahomes and Brady, and I usually try to talk down the hype, but, man, I'm buying in this year. This is all about Mahomes and Brady. It is. It is. These two are exceptional examples of uh, not only quarterbacks in this league, but but professionals in, in, in the football realm. And I'd watch them and, you know, I'd watch them – all I could. Last week, we got you know, two weeks ago, we got the same thing. We got an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, NFC Championship, and boy, was that special too. So, uh, you know, I'm really excited for it. You know, definitely the greatest of all time at the quarterback position, and uh, and the favorite in this game is arguably going to be in a position uh, to maybe hold that mantle. You know, 20 years down the line himself. Yeah, as a quarterback, I know we always sit back and say, well, it's this guy against this guy. But, look, they never take the field together, right? I mean, they're never going to be there. How much in a quarterback's mind do you, does play, well, it's me against him? Well, I, I, I don't think it really does because you're really preparing for the defense. You always are preparing for the defense, and that's that's important to understand. But it, it, is, it is something that, that it gets completely talked about all the time. It's going to creep in like, hey – you know, I got to keep up with this guy. And first of all, if you're Tom Brady, you have to believe you got to keep up with that guy because if they do what they've done all year long and that's just score at will whenever they want, you are for sure going to have to compete with Patrick Mahomes and score points uh, and make sure they don't get as many possessions as they can because if they get more possessions than you, uh, that's simply a, a no-win no win scenario for, for the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're on the phone with Ryan Leaf, host of the Believe in Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network. Ryan, from a quarterback's perspective, uh, I know he's great. I know he walks on water and everything else. But, look, this Tampa Bay front seven is pretty good. David and White are the best linebackers in the league, the best linebacker duo to me. Vita Vea coming back is just phenomenal. JPP off the corner. Do you think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a little quicker trigger than he normally does this week? Well, he better because he's missing his two protectors in his right tackle and his left tackle, Mitchell Schwartz and, and Eric Fisher. Those guys are both out, and that's a significant uh, loss for him uh, because he really allowed – those guys do a great job of keeping people in alignment. I mean, coming up the field, rushing up the field, which allows him to find lanes, especially on third down. That, for me, is the biggest test. If they can find a way to, to mount that test and get past it, I don't see how the Chiefs can be stopped. But if they can get pressure – on Mahomes, like they were able to with Aaron Rodgers, who hadn't been touched the week before against the Rams, against the number one defense in the league, then the game gets interesting. You know, yeah, I, I like that you mentioned that because, yeah, this is a good pass rush. Will Mahomes and Reed change the game plan up, meaning instead of putting Hardman out deep and using his speed and Hill using his speed, do you think they go to Kelsey earlier? Do you think that they try to kind of go over the middle to open up the deep pass? Well, they'll have a game plan ready. It will be interesting to see what Tampa Bay does and what Coach um, Bowles do. Is he going to play a shell, or is he going to use Antoine Winfield Jr., who he gets back, uh, in a little different way? Is he going to be more of a spy and follow around and get closer to the line of scrimmage? I think that's something that's interesting to look at. If that's the case, that should open the top off to get the ball down the field deep. And uh, I think Bruce Arians and this team is going to have to risk that. They're going to have to risk it 
to get to the quarterback and make them one-dimensional. And, and in doing that, you, you can't just leave those safeties back there uh, kind of as an umbrella on this on this defense. Now, I've heard both sides of the story this week. I've heard, you know what, in the first game, Todd Bowles, uh, who was usually blitz-happy, uh, went blitz-happy early, and then he pulled off. And, well, maybe he's going to go blitz here. What, what do you think he's going to do against, like you said, two banged-up offensive linemen, uh, very potentially Patrick Mahomes a little limping with that toe. Do you think he goes to a blitz scheme, or is that just too risky with the situation that Mahomes is in? Well, he's so good at getting the ball out of his hand when guys are open uh, quickly. But when he does get a blitz, he's able to extend by just simply dropping back further. We've never seen a quarterback really do that, where you can just drift back a little further to give yourself a little more time and allow those speedsters to get down the field. So I've never seen an, an offense more efficient and more effective in all my years of covering the NFL, playing in the NFL, and watching since I was a kid. They are just absolutely – so what the – what the Bucks are going to have to do, they're going to have to get, figure out a way to get turnovers. That's the first thing. And then Bruce Arians is going to have to decide on on being uncomfortable, doing things that he normally wouldn't do, going for it on fourth down, maybe in his own territory, fake punts, doing some crazy things on special teams. They have to limit possessions for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. If they if they aren't able to do that, I, I just don't see a way where the Bucks can win the game. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, strength against strength here. But I do see most people kind of favoring the idea that if Kansas City plays their game, it's going to be very hard for the Bucks. We're on the phone with Ryan Leaf, host of the Believe in the Pac-12 and the Believe Podcast Network. Let's turn it to the offense on the other side because we talk about Ill and Kelsey and the weapons that Kansas City has. But Gronk, Bray over the middle, I expect them to have big games today. Godwin's been a target beast. He had nine targets last week. Mike Evans is nearly unguardable when he's on point. And the one thing about the last two years of the Kansas City Chiefs is that they oftentimes get lapses in defense. How are you attacking this defense? Well, this defense might be the most improved part of this Kansas City Chiefs team. They are averaging, allowing, I think, around 19 or 20 points over the last seven games. And when you have an offense like what they have, that's easy. That's easily good enough. So uh, they've been much improved. Um, where I do think they find lapses, and, and, and that's, uh, you know, in gaps down the football field. And this is what uh, Bruce Arians' offense is, is, is good at, is getting down the football field with speed and finding voids. And uh, that's where I think they'll probably attack. Now, are they able to, to do it, uh, you know, on a consistent basis? Uh, or is Kansas City going to get them off the field? I just think Kansas City's defense has improved greatly since the last time they played, even when they scored 24 points. Um, when I saw the number come out at minus three for the Kansas City Chiefs, I just said, wow, take that and run, and I, and I still believe that to be the case. It's also Andy Reid off a of bye week, which no one's seemingly talking about. It's one of the greatest betting angles ever, Ryan, is Andy Reid off a of bye week is the best coach in the history. It's This is kind of a bye week. Look, he's got the extra week. I'm going to give him a bye week here. Ryan, let me ask you, because you were a, a tremendous quarterback, especially in college, absolutely fantastic. When you go into a game and you know, look, put the ball in my hands like Mahomes and Brady are, and we got a chance to win. But you also know you have to force the run in a lot of situations. Both of these running games are subpar, we'll call it. I don't want to take a knock on them, but they're both subpar. How often are you going to be changing the play at the line where it's a run, you want to establish that run, but you know what? I see something there, and I could exploit this. Well, both these quarterbacks are going to do what, what, what's needed. If, if there's a numbers situation where you can, you have an advantage, you can run the football, you better bet they're going to run the football. That's just how it's going to be. 
I think this game comes down to third down execution. And that's what Tom Brady has been as good at as anybody over the years, especially in New England. They would sometimes just run the ball on first and second down, set them up for a third and short, and he'd find those inside receivers or Gronk and, and, and get first downs and move down the field. And I think that's what this game's going to come down to. Can the defense for the Tampa Bay Bucks get off the field when they get Kansas City to third down? Because Patrick Mahomes is better than anybody in the league at doing it with his feet when he needs to, when they are able to shut down the wide receivers for him to pick up as much as, you know, 8, 10, 12 yards sometimes to extend drives where they again can get a big play. It's going to be about whether they can get off the field on third down, and I'm excited to see what that third down game plan will look like on both sides of the field. So who's the third player? Who's the third guy here? Because obviously Mahomes and Mahomes number one to win the MVP. Brady's number two. Super Bowl, you usually see somebody kind of come out of nowhere. Who's the one guy that one of these teams has to stop that's not named Brady and Mahomes? Um, I, you know, I think it's the offensive line uh, and how they stop the, the likes of JPP and uh, Shaq Barrett and Ndamukong Sue. That, for me, is going to be it. So I, if they're not able to do that, look for a defensive end a la the 85 Bears and Richard Dent uh, getting to the quarterback and making the difference in the game. Defense isn't back to winning championships. It's always been about offense. And watch for this Tampa Bay defense and guys that are a little bit under the radar doing things to get it done. And, and uh, you know, if there's a prop bet out there somewhere for Shaq Barrett or uh, Dominican Sue or, or the likes of JPP, uh, I might want to throw a few shekels down on that one. Oh, there it is. There certainly is. I love it. Little little betting advice from Ryan Leaf. All right, Ryan, I, I think I know where you're going here. And, and I love, as spoken like a true quarterback, offense is the way to win championships. I think I know where you're going, but I need a prediction from you anyway. Who do you got to win the game? Uh, I, I, I just don't think the, the Kansas City uh, can be beat right now. Uh, the only way I see them beating, uh, getting beat is, is if they beat themselves, if they turn it over, or if they don't possess the ball. Um, in as many possessions as I think they can. Um, so I'm going to go Kansas City. Um, let's go 41-31. Oh, and the over. I love it. Thank you so much, Ryan. Uh, can't wait to have you back, hopefully before next year, but we'll definitely have you back next year. Guys, check them out. It's host, host of. Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network. I love, look, there's a lot of Pac-12 guys in this game that uh, can make an impact. He mentioned a couple. I think Vita Vea. I was watching Vita Vea running people over in high school. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Richard Dent. How about Refrigerator Perry? Is there a prop play out there? Jay Cornegie puts out all the prop plays for the Superbook. Is there a prop play out there that Vita Vea scores a touchdown? <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't think we're going to have the uh, the fridge kind of touchdown from a defensive lineman. But hey, look, he does. You want to go get yourself a treat? Go look up uh, YouTube and watch Vita Vea in high school just just destroying these tiny kids. And they're not tiny kids; they're the same age as them, but they look like tiny kids. Uh, good stuff by Ryan Leaf, by the way. Bringing it and bringing it hot. He was. He's mentioning prop plays. He's mentioning numbers. He's mentioning the spread. I love it. I love when guys don't shy away from it. You know, look, we're everyone's betting this game. We know that. I've spoken about the Devin White angle, and I threw a couple of bucks myself. Right, I threw a couple of bucks on that sixty to one angle, and I was trying to find the defensive player. I agree with Ryan hundred percent from a betting perspective. If you're gonna take a shot. At someone that's not a quarterback, it's got to be a, a defensive guy. Who's it going to be? JPP seems to be getting the most love. Everyone's jumping on JPP. Why? Well, he looked outstanding last week. But Barrett might be the guy. 
right? I mean, Barry, you're going to have to double one of these players. You're going to have to double if you're the Chiefs. And, and I know that Fisher's guy, I know that they have their banged-up injuries. I just have a feeling that if you're the offensive line coach, you're going, guys, we're not going to let JPP do what he did to the Packers last week. And if there's someone that's going to get shipped, you bring up that running back you know, to give him a shoulder, to give him a hip. If there's going to be somebody that's going to get the extra body, I think it's going to be JPP, which may leave Barrett a little more wide open. And I've mentioned the toe a few times from Mahomes. Not only do I think that he's going to be reluctant to run, should be the word I'm going to use, a little reluctant to run, but also getting away from somebody like a, a very fast Barrett or a long-armed and really ferocious guy like JPP. So I love the angle. I've mentioned it a couple times. Now that we got somebody like Ryan Leaf backing it up, we have to absolutely pay attention to that. All right, guys, thank you again to all my guests, Lofa Tatupu, Ryan Leaf, and Tyrone Poole, all adding a unique perspective to this big game. Now, normally this is when I give you my big play, right? I give you my insight and what I like. Look. I don't love the game, but I hardly ever like the Super Bowl. I hardly ever like the Super Bowl because it's such a sharp line nine times out of ten. So I'll be going with Cameron Bray, Gronk, and, of course, Kelsey. I like their over-receptions. And I love the yards. I like over-receptions. I absolutely like the sacks in the game. I'll take a shot with Barrett and JPP both plus money to get a sack. Devin White over nine and a half tackles. I like the sacks overall for both teams in the game. I, I think uh, it's going to be set at about four, four and a half. I like it. I like it a lot at four, four and a half. I'm still ju- jumping in on there. So that's some of the stuff. If you're looking for long shots, Devin White to win the MVP. Yeah, I could take a shot at that. I think that we are going to get one of those games, though, that is going to be a little bit lower scoring. And it's impossible for me to just not take the points. I know that Super Bowls are not supposed to be taking the points in the games like this. But for me, it's Brady plus points in the Super Bowl. It's just hard not to. I think the Chiefs are the better team, and I think they probably win. But I don't want to lay points. Can I say 28-27? That's my final prediction. I'll say 28-27. Barely goes under. I don't even like it that much. And the Chiefs win, but they don't cover. It might be the cheap way out here. I'm not taking a stance and this bold prediction, but it's reality. This is what I feel, and this is how I feel about the Super Bowl. Have fun betting it, but I will make way more money on my prop plays than I will throw down on this game. I may not even bet the game and just load up on prop plays. Also, this year, make sure that you pay attention to in-game props, which is something that is unique, and it's going to be huge this year. So, everybody, enjoy the big game. Enjoy the Super Bowl. I'm Tom Bard for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.